I apologize. I have a little bit of uh, laryngitis this evening. I hope it's not too irritating. Um, the good news is you won't be hearing from me um, for the whole webinar. I am joined by three of my colleagues. So I am just going to um, start us out with the introduction. I am so happy to see so many people joining us this evening. Um, today we're going to be talking about building a business and keeping your day job. Um, just to tell you a little bit about my background, as I said, my name is Suzanne Gray, and I invested in the Entrepreneur's Force as my own small business in 2005. And we refer to this as TES. Uh, the Entrepreneur's Source, TES, is actually a franchise with 265 coaches across the country. You'll hear more about that later. Um, but I chose the Entrepreneur's Source because it allows me geographic flexibility. My husband and I, we live in New Hampshire, and we also own property on Cape Cod. So I spend time in both places, and I'm able to um, work my business from either location. I also gain a lot of satisfaction from helping others achieve their personal and professional goals. Um, you'll also hear more about uh, my three colleagues who are joining me um, this evening a little bit later on. But first, I just want to cover some administrative um, things about the GoToWebinar software. Um, here we're looking at the GoToWebinar interface. Everyone on the call today on the webinar has been muted to prevent background noise. Um, you can use that red arrow to expand your, your control panel. And when you expand the panel, you will be able to see um, that you have an audio panel there that indicates if you're using the speakers or the mic on your computer or, your, or you're using your telephone. But um, most importantly, we want you to recognize that there's a questions pane there to submit questions during the webinar. Your questions will be um, completely confidential if you choose to send your question only to the panelists. You have an option there to send um, your questions directly to us. And so we will leave time at the end of the webinar for a Q&A session. Um, but as I say, uh, as we go along, please don't hesitate to post your questions. Okay, so our goal this evening is to help our audience explore part-time or uh, semi-absentee businesses um, as a way to build income and build equity and personal wealth. And in the long run, what we're trying to do is help show you a path to control your destiny and your financial future. So let's start uh, with a poll to be sure our audience is familiar with how to use the GoToWebinar software, and also to give us an idea of the types of areas of interest to our audience. So if we could put the uh, poll up on the screen there, Lindsay, what motivated you to attend today's webinar? And then please select all that apply of the, um, of the options there. Hang on, you know, when the, uh, yeah, you can I'm just monitoring it. I would suggest we wait just uh, a minute or two longer. Okay, a minute, great. A second or two longer, sorry. Okay. All right, I'm going to go ahead and close it and share everybody the results. Okay, great. So most people joining us this evening are considering new options, new career options. Um, and about half have always wanted to own a business but 
just really did not um, have not really thought through all the details around uh, owning a business and, and really want to understand a little bit more about that. Okay, so let's move on if we can here. Okay. Business ownership is one way to build personal wealth and equity, but it doesn't have to be full-time work. In fact, some of the most successful entrepreneurs keep their job for personal or family reasons and start a business on the side. We're going to review the reasons our clients explore part-time business models and the pros and the cons. Um, here's our agenda for today's session. As you can see, we're going to be covering many of the different aspects of part-time business models. So let's just talk about business ownership models in a big macro sense here. The options you see on this slide are really how someone would start to consider business ownership. Do you want to work in the business full-time, part-time, or be an absentee owner? Um, one of the things that sometimes happens is that we think we want to work in the business full-time before we actually get into the business. We think, okay, I'm, I'm going to really spend most of my time working in this business. But once the business going gets going, sometimes that changes. So that's sometimes what happens to people as well. Um, you know, I, I was talking with a client today who was interested in buying an existing ice cream business in Boston, and he went to go and look at the, the business itself and found that there was no owners that were in and around at all for him to talk to, but also that um, the business was sort of in disarray. There was, um, you know, like food and trash on the floor, and things just weren't taken care of. So not every business can be um, managed. Uh, by uh, part-time or semi-absentee. We're actually going to go into some of those details a little bit further about the best kinds of businesses that can be run in that fashion. Um, but let's talk about full-time business ownership. That is what we most of the time think about when we're thinking about uh, business ownership. This is the owners on-site running the business day-to-day. Um, but today what we're going to do is really look, take a look at some of the alternatives. Full-time business ownership is not the only way. Um, our webinar invitations listed some of the reasons that our clients want to explore part-time business ownership. Things like they want to keep their current job, their current income, and maybe even their, their uh, benefits that come along with their job. Um, and they want to increase their personal income and equity by having a business on the side. Um, and so that's, they feel that they could have, still have their full-time job and have that business on the side. They may have other time commitments that will not allow them to work in a business full-time. But Lindsay's going to actually talk us through a lot more of the details around this. Lindsay? Thanks, Suzanne, um, and uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us this evening. Um, it's great to see so many people on. Um, my name is Lindsay Wolfsmith. I'm in Chicago, Illinois. A um, little bit of my background, I had a successful career as a management consultant um, and really enjoyed many aspects of my work. Um, but anyone who's been involved in the management consultancy world will know that the work-life balance seems to be a case of work now and life later. Um, I realized that I was unlikely to succeed in having the balance that I, I desired while working for someone else. Um, so I, I looked, decided to look for options, and someone suggested franchising. Um, 
I'll be candid, um, initially <laughs> it wasn't that appealing, um, but I realized that I owed it to myself to look at all of the options. And ultimately, I found a business that enabled me to leverage um, my transferable skills while giving me the balance that I needed. So let's dig down a little bit more into some of those alternatives. So we're talking today about absentee or part-time business ownership. Um, so what does that look like? What are we talking about here? Um, we're talking about typically you're going to be uh, your role is going to be off-site. You're going to be leading the strategy and hiring staff to manage the day-to-day. -day. There are some exceptions where you perhaps could be the operator, um, but it depends on how much time and effort that is going to require. Um, but what you are going to be looking for is that you're looking for it to work well with your full-time job. So what does uh, this owner do? <laughs> um, they're not going to be involved in the day-to-day -day running of the business. Um, instead, what they're going to have is either there's going to be a manager in place that oversees the business, um, or there's going to be uh, the owner is going to be able to only need to contribute limited hours to operation the business because one way or another that business is making them money while they're doing their day job. One thing and, and one small clarification I wanted to make is this term absentee business ownership. And um, you'll see we're, we're going to make a little bit of a switch here in the rest of the slides and talk about semi-absentee. Um, my personal opinion is that absentee and true absentee ownership of a business um, is very, very difficult to achieve because it gives you the impression that you don't have to do anything. Well, um, if somebody knows of a business like that where you can just uh, invest a little bit of money and then make a bunch without doing any work, I'd sure like to know about it. Um, I think the reality is that uh, there is always going to be a level of effort, uh, and that's going to be something that you'll need to assess and manage as you go through it. So. Let's dig down a little bit further even into the semi-absentee or part-time owner. Uh, you know, what's happening with this individual? Um, so typically it's going to be somebody who, who does have a need or a desire to continue their full-time or part-time employment. Um, Suzanne mentioned many different reasons for that. Um, they may be somebody who wants to work themselves out of a job. Um, I've worked with a few clients who've been laid off a number of times, currently in work, but recognize that uh, you know, each time it gets more and more uh, frustrating and uh, difficult to get that next job, and they'd rather that somebody else wasn't going to be pulling the rug from under their feet. Um, they do need to be able to have uh, five to ten hours uh, to oversee a business per week, um, and, and often are somebody who only wants to put in about that amount of time. And usually there's a big driver here, uh, which is you know, somebody who is interested in incremental income and developing and building equity for themselves, which is something that really uh, you can't do in a job. And Isabel will talk about that a little bit further as well. So this is what it's like from a practical perspective. Um, let's talk now about what are the characteristics are of a semi-absentee owner. Um, and what I'm, I would suggest you do as we go through these is just think about if some of these, you know, perhaps a couple of them, perhaps could apply to you. Because this is really going to be what is going to, um, uh, to make a successful um, 
uh, semi-absentee or part-time business owner. Um, if you're looking at a, a business which requires management, i.e. you have a manager in place who runs the day-to-day -day aspects of the business, you're going to be need to be good at delegating staff uh, tasks, having um, experience at managing others. You're probably going to need to multitask. Um, just because you're only working five to ten hours a day doesn't mean that you can leave dealing with those, th th those things from your business until your day job is done. Um, you may well find that you need to be able to pick up the phone and make a quick phone call to sort out something. Um, it could only be five to, ten, um, uh, five to ten hours a week, but it may not be at your, your time discretion. Um, you need to be able to look for, uh, typically people are looking for some direct control over their investments. One of the challenges people have had recently is when they invest in the market, they, they really have no idea fundamentally if that's going to be something that's a good investment or a bad investment. Um, so typically people are, uh, who are going into this are looking for a bit more control over what their money does. Um, I mentioned before they're typically interested in creating additional revenue stream. An important thing that a lot of people don't think of, but one of the advantages of being involved um, in this kind of business is that you don't have to necessarily be located in the same geography as your business. Um, that can be very liberating um, and can provide a lot more options for you. Um, again, wanting your money to work for you rather than working for your money. Uh, having the ability to provide opportunities for others. I've had several clients who've had um, sons or daughters who perhaps are in their early to mid-twenties and perhaps even older and just have never really seemed to be able to get on in corporate because the opportunities aren't there as much. Um, so some, some people are looking to be able to provide employment for others and perhaps even create a legacy, something to hand on um, and, build, and uh, uh, give, give to somebody in the future. And a desire to build an equity, uh, to build equity. Um, when you have a job, you're not building equity, you're just getting income. Um, and that's really going to be something that Isabel is going to talk about here. So on that note, Isabel, I'm going to pass over to you. Thanks, Lindsay. I'm Isabel Estes. I'm based in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm a former PR marketing professional with my last corporate job at TV Guide Channel. I became a business owner and franchisee because I needed flexibility for my kids and traveling husband. As a working parent, I'm here to tell you that it is possible to have a great career, a desirable income, and a balanced lifestyle. I'm so glad that you were able to join us this evening, and I hope you are getting a lot of the information that you are seeking this evening. Let's talk about the motivations of an absentee owner. Um, I think these, what you're going to see on the screen, these are really the top five. What we, what we hear, many of us want to be a corporate escapee, and, and that's our plan B. We're going to start small, and we're going to move into it full time. We're going to replace that income. Others, we want just an additional income stream. Or, as Lindsay had said, what are the characteristics? It's also motivation. You want to employ a family member. Perhaps you have a son or daughter that you don't want to experience what you've experienced in corporate America. Um, or you want to diversify your investments or build equity. These are the things that motivate us. This is what motivates an absentee owner. Um, 
one of the other key points, and we're going to talk about that on the next slide, but before we do that, I want to make sure that you guys are um, still engaged with us. Let's do a real quick poll. And what I'd like to know is, who's Robert Kiyosaki? And multiple choice, so please select all that apply, and Lindsay can tell us a little bit about the results. Yep, starting to have people chip in. Good. Give you guys a few more seconds. And as you see on the screen, organizers do not, none of us will vote on that, so we're not skewing it at all, I promise. <laughs> I will go ahead and close the poll and publish it. Okay. Lindsay, you want to tell us about what you're seeing on the screen? Oh, I yep. see it too. So, oh, okay. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead, Lynn. Yeah, so uh, we have quite a few people who seem to uh, to know who Robert Kiyosaki is, which I think is is good. Um, he is the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. He is a rich dad. <laughs> um, I think the only one that would, I don't think he was a judge on the TV show Shark Tank, but maybe he was. He would be a, definitely be a good one. Yeah, he would. Thank you guys so much for weighing in. Uh, one of my favorite books um, that we're referring to on the screen is called The Cash Flow Quadrant. If you don't have Rich Dad's Cash Flow Quadrant, really recommend this. He's got a great series of books. Um, but this is one of the reasons, as you see here, it, it gives you where we're at. And so many reasons that we do go into an absentee, semi-absentee ownership of businesses, we want to build wealth. What the cash flow quadrant is, it's about four different types of people who make up the world of business, who they are, and what makes individuals in each quadrant unique. Each of us actually reside in at least one of these four quadrants um, that you see up here. Where we are, it's determined by where our main source of income comes from. Many of us rely on paychecks, so that's that employee quadrant, and therefore we're employees, others, while others are self-employed. Now, if you go to, that's the left side. Now, if you go to the right side of the cash flow quadrant, these are individuals who receive the cash from businesses or investments they own. It helps you define where you're on the quadrant today. And, and when you look at that, it helps you chart a course for where you want to be in the future as you choose your own path to financial freedom. And one of the reasons we put this webinar on today, it is true that financial freedom can be found in all four quadrants. However, skills of a B or an I, of a business owner or an investor, typically you will see that they reach their financial goals more quickly. A successful E, a successful employee, should also become a successful I or business owner, and it is doable. So what types of businesses are better for part-time or semi-absentee business ownership? Keep in mind, only 20% of business models out there are a good fit. So how do you find it? Well, our area of expertise is franchising. And the reason that we recommend looking at franchising is you, we, you'll actually know people who have done it quite successfully, and there's several of them. Um, you know, you have a proven operating system. You have the initial and ongoing training and support. You have purchasing power. When you have purchasing power, that reduces your expenses. You get the benefit from other franchisees. You have a win-win relationship. 
your business for yourself, but not by yourself. Some franchise or business models are actually set up exclusively for the absentee or part-time owner. So this is one of the reasons we ask for you to look at this as an opportunity. We've actually seen it. We're going to give you a few examples here in a couple minutes on what's out there. Um, Lindsay, if you wouldn't mind, can you show them some of the examples of some of those semi-absentee part-time businesses on this next slide? Yeah. And as you see on this, these are some of these are some of the business models that we work with that you can actually be a semi-absentee part-time owner. So let's look at some of the clients that we've worked with in the past that are actually semi-absentee owners. Here's Will Herring. Uh, he's a linebacker um, for the New Orleans Saints and Seattle Seahawks. Um, he's active right now with the Saints. Um, but what he did is he invested in a 24-hour gym in Auburn, Alabama. Um, it's an automated gym. In other words, members access, they have a PIN number, they employ, and he employs two full-time staff members and several freelance trainers. Now, that investment was around 150000 But let's make it even a little bit more real. A lot of us probably haven't had the privilege, I think it's one in a million, that actually get to play for the NFL of of the athletes that are gifted enough to do that. So let's look at some of our other clients. I'm going to give you some other examples. The next one we've got Chuck. Chuck is 30. Uh, he's a sales manager for a medium-sized company. And his wife was actually due with their first child. Um, when, and he wanted and she wanted to be able to stop working and stay home to raise the family. However, they'd be losing an income stream. So their solution was they purchased a resale of an event, coffee and smoothie making franchise. And interestingly enough, he actually signed the papers in the delivery room right before his son was born. And they grew the business to replace the wife's former income. What does he do? Well, as we mentioned, semi-absentee. He works to book events, and he recruits college students to actually run the events. Another example is Kathleen. Kathleen's 47. Um, oh, and that investment for Chuck, that was a $65,000 investment. So let's look at Kathleen. Kathleen's 47. She's a marketing manager for a large food large processor. Um, her job was, it was getting kind of dicey because of, you know, the mergers. And, and the management wasn't changing, and it wasn't very much fun. And so rather than waiting for the pink slip to arrive, she was very proactive. And they purchased, she and her husband purchased a home service franchise with two territories for growth. She took care of the marketing. She's the expert. She's a marketing manager. And her husband, who was self-employed, he actually ran the operations side until they were able to hire staff. That investment, 40000 So this last example, we've got Paul. Paul's 45. Uh, he's an accountant for the family business. And his role in the family business was you know, his time. He was having more time. He was only working about 20 hours per week. So he was looking for something that was flexible enough to allow him to, to meet the demands of the family business, but he wanted free time to generate additional income. So his solution was to purchase a vending business um, and that had the support to locate the machines. The company actually helps you locate those machines. Um, and what, his role, what he's going to be doing is once the machines are placed, he's going to spend about 30 minutes a week per machine to service his machines 
and he monitors his machines remotely from his laptop. That investment was about $35,000. So Marcy, would you mind sharing with everybody about the advantages of semi-absentee part-time ownership? I would be happy to. Uh, my name is Marcy Olinger, and I spent um, about 20 years in corporate and got booted out about nine years ago. And I had always wanted to have my own business and decided it was time to make it happen. So I looked at several business for, businesses for sale and ended up finding franchising and found out that franchisers are looking for business managers, not technicians. So basically, I could get into most any industry and I certainly ended up doing something that I never would have imagined. So now let's talk a little bit about the advantages to oper operating a part-time or semi-absentee business. First is higher returns. Um, it's, a, it's a much more proactive investment than a reactive investment. It has greater potential for return than the unstable stock market that we've seen over the past few years, as well as uh, greater return potential than the volatile real estate market. And you have the profitability or the income that comes on a monthly or yearly basis. But in addition to that, you have the building of equity. So it, it's a huge win-win there with the income as well as the equity. And actually, if you don't need the income in the interim, you could be putting that money back into your business. And as we saw from the examples there, your investment levels are generally going to run somewhere between twenty-five and 250000 all in. So that's your total initial investment. But it definitely depends on the type of business. And our statistics show that nine out of ten people of the richest people in America are business owners. So back to that quadrant, that Roger Kiyosaki cash flow quadrant, then we can see that building this equity and that income in addition to or rather than just being an employee is typically a greater way to build wealth. Um, another advantage is that you have lower risk because most people are going to retain their full-time job while they're opening units, maybe one at a time. Um, franchising certainly provides a great opportunity to do that. You open one unit, get it up and running, and believe me, with each unit you learn more about how to do it more successfully the next time. So even getting that proven system that you get from a franchisor, going through it yourself is going to make the second and third and fourth units much easier. So it lowers that risk. So who are we? Um, Suzanne, Lindsay, Isabel, and myself are all franchisees of The Entrepreneur Source, as Suzanne mentioned early. Um, the Entrepreneur Source is a national business coaching franchise with over 265 offices in the U.S. and abroad. We provide self-employment and business coaching for people who are exploring business ownership and help our clients clarify their goals, transferable skills, and what they're trying to achieve through business ownership. Okay, um, how do we help? These are the steps that we go through. First and foremost is that we want to get to know you, and we want you to get to know us. It is a coaching relationship. We're not salespeople. We don't have anything to sell. We're there to help you navigate through a process that is a self-discovery of figuring out who you are, what you want to accomplish, and then are there businesses out there that would have the potential of meeting those objectives. So once we get to know each other quite a bit, then we're going to get clear on your goals, dreams, your budget that you're willing to spend in the, in the business. 
what your timing is, whether you're wanting to get into it now or it's six or 12 months from now, what kind of lifestyle you want, whether you need income from this business or whether you'd rather it build wealth or equity. And then we're going to go out and do research on hundreds of different business opportunities and come back to you with a much lower number so we can take out some of that initial guesswork. And then we're going to help you to validate and research those options. So you're actually going to have an opportunity to talk to people who are doing what you would be doing if this was your business and find out what are the investment levels that are required, but also what kind of income that you could expect from that. And probably just as important, what would your role be as the owner? And are those activities things that you're comfortable with? Um, one of the greatest things about what we do is that 95% of our clients discover options that they would never have explored on their own. And I certainly am an example of that. I ended up doing something totally different than I'd ever imagined. And also, there is no cost for our placement coaching services. So we are compensated by the franchises or the businesses that we present to you. And it costs you the very same if you went directly to them as if you went through us. So it's an added benefit, an added piece of the puzzle that is on your side, your advocate, to help you go through the maze that can sometimes be researching business ownership. Um, okay, uh, all of you here have been wonderful in listening to everything that we've said today. Um, this is a quote that was taken from Robert Kiyosaki's book. And if you would take just a minute here, all of you were given two great gifts, your mind and your time. It's up to you to do what you please with both. Each, every day, with every dollar, you decide to be rich, poor, or middle class. You and your children's future will be determined by choices you make today, not tomorrow. So remember, no decision at all is certainly still a decision. All right. We have covered the information that we brought to you this evening, and we would love to open it up for questions now. So if any of you have questions that have been coming up to you, burning you whenever you're going through this presentation, then please submit that in the question pane and we'll see what we can get to. Um, all right, the first question that we have is, can any business be absentee business? Uh, Suzanne, you want to take that one? Sure. Thanks, Marcy. Um, Actually, no. Um, it usually runs about 20 or 25%, I would say, of the businesses will allow part-time involvement. And the reason for this is that uh, some business, businesses are not built to be semi-absentee. They really um, need the owner to operate the business in order for the business to be successful. Um, and part of this, this could be for many reasons, but one of the things to think about is that if you have a manager in place in your business instead of the owner working in the business, the manager then gets a salary. So, um, so for, sometimes for financial reasons, it doesn't work that um, it's a semi-absentee or a part-time business. Also, sometimes it doesn't work because of the nature of the business, the type of product or service that the business is providing. So really, um, if you are interested in this type of business, one of the major things to think about, and this is a great question, um, is that not all businesses can be ramped up into a part-time business. 
So you need to look at businesses that are set, have the model that's set to be a part-time or semi-absentee business. Does that cover it, Marcy? I think you got it. Thank you. Um, okay, we have another question that says, what is the failure rate for franchise owners? And um, typically we have a slide in our uh, webinars that actually covers this, and we didn't have one in tonight. But statistics show that after 10 years in business, over 85% of independent businesses will fail, whereas with franchises, over 85% of those businesses will still be in existence. So in addition, I, I guess to answer the question directly, about 15% of franchise owners will not be in business over 10 years. Um, the next question we have is, do you just get people into franchises, or do you help them find their own businesses to start? Lindsay, can you take that one? Certainly. Um, good question. Um, part of the process that we uh, take our clients through, um, and, and generally clients are people who are curious about business ownership, not necessarily committed to it, but curious, is we take them through a process that Marcy explained where we really get to understand you, your goals, uh, your budget, um, the, uh, the skills and the things that you're bringing to the table. And uh, in order, part of that process is helping us to help you understand whether franchising and or business ownership would be a good fit for you. Um, if franchising or what I would call a system-based um, business model is something that would make sense for you to explore, um, then that's something that we definitely help you with. Um, wearing a different hat, um, uh, at least a couple of the uh, coaches on the call today also are coaches um, with SCORE, um, which is their counselors, I think, is the official title with SCORE. Um, and what SCORE does is provides a free coaching service to individuals who are looking to start their own business. So um, we do help people, although the area that we really specialize in is looking at system-based businesses and franchises. Anything to add to that, ladies? Lindsay, I might add, you know, we all have client stories, and I, I'm thinking of two of my own right now that they're exploring semi-absentee ownership. One of them is still continuing on, but in the discovery process, um, you know, she wasn't sure if she could delegate. I mean, she's somewhat of a perfectionist. And, you know, overall, in the discovery process, and that's what we provide. It's a safety net to you know, try on the shoes, walk in the shoes, but you don't have to buy the shoes. And you get to talk to those owners, and you really get to ask yourself, can I see myself do this before you actually make the investment um, and the commitment to do that, even if it is a semi-absentee ownership? Um, and that's what our process is designed to do, is to really help you figure out, is this going to be the right thing for me? I've also had a client who thought they wanted to do semi-absentee, and they decided the right thing for them was to go into it full-time. So, you know, only you know that answer, and sometimes experiencing it with a coach like one of us will allow you to figure that out with ha not having to make a large investment, which could be a mistake. Okay. Thanks, ladies. Um, now we have a question about financing. How do you go about getting help financing a franchise? And, you know, one of the great things is the webinar that we did last month was on financing, so there's some great information there. If you would get together with your coach and ask them to send you a link to the recording of that webinar, I think that would be very helpful. 
But in the meantime, um, Suzanne, you want to give them some ideas on financing a franchise? Certainly. Um, there's many different ways that our clients go about uh, financing their businesses. Um, typically, they use a combination approach. So by that, I mean that they use investments from um, potentially family savings to um, invest in their business. In addition to that, they may get um, a loan of some sort, sometimes a home equity line of credit, although that's less um, common these days, as well as um, using a 401k uh, rollover or taking a loan against their 401k. There's, it actually differs from person to person. There's no set way that um, is the best for financing a business. It depends on your specific um, situation. And what we do with our clients is we help them work through what the total investment would be, which you need to look at that total investment for ramping up the business. And then you need to look at um, what you would need to put into the business as the business was growing, but before it actually started paying for itself, along with what are your regular household and living needs. And so when we're looking at um, semi-absentee ownership businesses, people are keeping their jobs, so they have the cash flow becomes a um, little bit less of an issue, but still we walk through the same process with them. And then um, we help, uh, help them um, get directed towards individuals that are experts in financing small businesses so that they can work through what the different options are for them. So I would say there's no one certain way to do it. I'm not sure if I mentioned also SBA loans, but of course there's SBA loans out there as well. Um, and some franchises also help their franchisees with the financing. So it's, it really um, depends on the individual situation. Okay, thank you. Um, also, as a score counselor, I have had the opportunity to listen to uh, some of the SBA personnel, and what I find is that they typically are actually, for a startup business, they're more likely to loan money to a franchise than an independent, mainly because it is a proven system. So that definitely adds an advantage to your um, quiver whenever you have that, that uh, a proven franchise system, and especially those that are already on the approved SBA lending list. So definitely want to look into that. Um, is there a fee to the franchiser when selling the franchise? I'm not sure I understand that question. I, I'm wondering if when when if you want to buy a franchise, do you pay a fee to the franchiser? Marcy, it may also be it, it may also be um, in relation to our example of Chuck who bought a resale of a franchise also. So you may want to, Lindsay, if you're going to take it, yeah. you may want to go down those paths. Yeah, that's that's what because I saw that question and wasn't quite sure on the, the orientation as well. But um, uh, so when you sell a, a franchise, um, my experience, having had a number of clients who have bought an existing franchise, is that there is typically a transfer fee, um, which is going to be in the agreement before you even sign, um, that would be paid by the seller um, to the franchisor. Um, it's not usually the same amount by any means as the initial franchise fee. 
um, but it's just a small uh, transfer fee. Um, so yes, there is some. Um, typically, the buyer would not be paying that. So it's a lot like when a real estate transaction from that perspective. Um, there is also a franchise fee when you initially get into a franchise, but I don't think that was what the question was about. Anything to add to that? Because I, I think has that been everyone else's experience that there's a typically there's a, fran a transfer fee. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, and the other piece of that is that um, typically there's going, if there's a broker involved, there will be some kind of broker fee. Just like selling an independent business, there's going to be a fee to have somebody to find you a buyer for that business. Um, right. And uh, if the person that asked that, if, if that didn't answer your question, if you could maybe give us a little bit more clarity on what you were asking, then we'll be happy to cover that more. Um, how much time do we have to invest to work with you in this process? Isabel, you want to jump in there? Sure. Um, average time, just so you guys are aware, it's typically between four to six weeks, and here's why. Uh, when we start working with you from that first initial conversation, it is a co we're coaches, and so we want to get to know you well and understand what is it that you're wanting to accomplish? What's the fruits of your labor? You know, what are your goals? What are, what are the things that you intrinsically need? Because if you're going to invest in time and money into a business, we want to find out what's going to make, what's going to be enjoyable for you. You know, what is it that you enjoy that you're going to get up in the morning and look forward to going to your business? Um, and, you know, what, so we want to spend some time. That's that's how we really get to know you and certainly talk about financial options and, and all of those things and answer any questions you have um, about franchises or businesses. So that's typically the first conversation. And then the greatest learning, the reason it's four to six weeks, because the greatest learning actually has, happens between our coaching sessions. Um, if it makes sense for us to work together, uh, we will you know, certainly make recommendations we will work with you in facilitating those conversations with the franchisors, walk through the FDD with you so that you have a good, at least a good top-line understanding of it. If, if certainly, you want to go through the details if it's a business you really want to go into, but certainly get enough for you to get the meat and the heart of that FDD, FDD standing for Franchise Disclosure Document. Then the remaining weeks, the reason that it lasts a little bit longer is we want to talk, have you talk to people who actually run the business. We want you to get true, balanced information from the owners themselves. And we coach you how to ask key questions. One of the key questions is, how much money do you make? And most people aren't going to answer that directly. So we help you um, fashion those questions so that you get the meaty information you need plus everything else. And the reason it takes a little time is because you're catching some really busy, successful owners, and it takes some time to do that. But on average, four to six weeks when you start working with us. Um, I think that's a great answer, as well as you have to remember this is a coaching engagement. So in other words, we can only go at the pace that you're willing to go. The more time and effort you're willing to put into it, the quicker we can get through it. But if you're working full-time and trying to do this on the side, sometimes that will take a little bit longer. So it can be very quick or it can take longer depending on you and the amount of time and effort that you can put into the engagement. 
Um, how about, can you recommend any good books on franchising? Um, also, one of the books that we typically recommend, and it's not really on franchising, but he speaks about franchising and about business ownership that I believe anybody who either is in business or thinking about it should read is um, Michael Gerber's book on The E-Myth Revisited. And Gerber is a small business guru that talks about the, and the importance of having systems in your business and starting your business as if you were going to franchise it. So he's a believer in franchising and the system-based businesses because any business needs very strong systems to succeed. And a lot of times when those systems are already developed for you, it makes business much easier. Um, another business or another book is called Street Smart Franchising by Joe Matthews. Um, there are also the, the Dummy series. There's a franchising for dummies. Um, anybody else have books that they would recommend? Uh, I would go well, back to the key ones. Yeah, I think those are, I love those. Um, the Street Smart Franchising one is actually written by um, a TS coach. Um, and so you'll understand how our mind is, how we think as well. Um, but also, if you haven't read Rich Dad's Cash Flow Quadrant on one of those, it really starts, it really gets you thinking about that. And, and that's one of the premises of, of this particular webinar was, you know, where are you on that quadrant? Are you an employee, self-employed, a business owner, investor? It really helps you start thinking about your choices and how you want to build wealth and equity. And I would just say, if you are interested in getting educated, um, uh, you know, it actually might be worth a conversation with one of us um, because you know we have all been doing this quite some time. Um, <laughs> I think we counted up at one point the uh, number of years' experience we had, and it was a little scary. Um, you know, we could, if you have questions, that may be something that we can answer as well. Okay. Um, we also have a question from someone who has a business and is thinking about franchising that business and wants to know if that is something that we can help with. Um, Suzanne, you want to take that? Absolutely. Um, we do have a um, department in our home office of the Entrepreneur Source that helps people to franchise their business. There's a lot of different things to think about. And what they would do is talk you through what needs to be done um, so that you can set yourself up to um, distribute your product or service as a franchise. And um, you know it's not something you want to do lightly. You want to think it through and work with experts, people that understand how to build out um, a successful franchise brand. Um, because it does take time, effort, and money. And you want to invest all three of those um, very wisely. But that's we would um, help help you with the initial discussion, and then we would refer you over to the experts to um, give you more information around that. Um, that's a great answer. And I actually had a client one time that um, recently that converted their business to a franchise. And they felt at the time that they came to us that their business was actually already started as a franchise and they had paid someone to help them franchise the business. And what they quickly found out is it was very much a stopgap measure. And they had one franchisee who was not doing well. It was kind of what they would call a rogue franchisee. 
and they found that they really needed to put stronger systems in place. It's not just about the legal paperwork that needs to be done, but you need to have a very strong marketing plan. You need to have an HR plan, a legal plan, all of those things in place. So when it comes to building your business and preparing it to become a franchise, any of the coaches on the call tonight can help you coach your business into being more prepared for that before you actually start investing big dollars in franchising your business. So I would encourage you to get in touch with your specific coach and um, have some conversations around that. And I think the distinct advantage, Marcy, is we are all franchisees. We've all been there on the other side, and we're franchisees, and we offer a very unique perspective on your potential franchisees as well and what's going to be attractive to them. So not only we have all these years of experience of helping people franchise their models, but we're also living, breathing franchisees who know the ins and outs of, of what that's like and what we'd like, you know, as a, for a franchisor. Okay. Um, how about can you discuss royalties? Um, Lindsay, can you take that one? Yeah, sure. Um, so um, a, usually a, a defining characteristic of, of a franchise is royalties. Um, and I often find that when I speak with individuals considering franchising, it's, it's a big area of concern, um, which makes a lot of sense because what, how, what royalties are going to work is you're either going to be paying a percentage of your revenue um, or a flat rate, depending on how that's set up, to the franchisor um, uh, based on, on what, what happens in your business. Um, and what you should be looking for when you're exploring a franchise is understanding what does paying those royalties do for you. Um, and that's one of the things that we really help people to understand because sometimes people say to me, you know what, I don't want to be just giving a franchisor half my money. Um, well, number one, that's a little bit of an exaggeration. Um, but number two, um, I tell them, good, because you shouldn't want to be giving them your money. You should be wanting to explore and understand if there is value in that. Um, Isabel talked a little bit earlier about uh, the, some of the advantages of being in uh, a franchise business. Um, and you're looking to see if you can get those. Economies of scale is a great one. Um, that the franchisor could perhaps put, put on events or uh, do things uh, to generate leads or advertise, do extra marketing, that as an individual business owner, you would really have a hard time doing yourself. But because there is a collaborative effort, um, that's going to be something that your royalties will be put to good use to do. Um, so that, and I could talk about that for quite some time in terms of the other things to look at. But um, you know, typically there are royalties, um, and uh, overall that should be a good thing because it should be a win-win situation because the franchisor should be wanting you to be successful, at which point they get more, more money, um, and they should be motivated to help you to do that. I agree. I think that a good franchisor will realize that the way that, that to long-term wealth in their situation is through royalties. They really don't make that much money on upfront franchise fees, and I know those seem high, but in reality, they have about that much money invested in you before you actually get started in your business. So they're betting more on the long-term royalties. And to me, a company that's more interested in the royalties means they know that you're going to make money. 
and therefore they know that with, that, with the money that you make that they're going to make. And they just make a small percentage of what you make. But it all goes back to finding the right business. So what's right for you might not be right for me. Um, okay. Marcy, I just noticed there's an, a kind of an additional question that somebody posted after the royalty question, um, which I'll just quickly respond to if that's okay, asking if there were any other ongoing fees beside royalties. Um, and the answer is yes, there can be. Um, but that's very much specific to um, the franchise themselves. Um, a co most common one is going to be some form of advertising fee, which will typically go into a collaborative. But there could be other things um, that are out there that they have brought into the system to help uh, make the system productive for everybody. Okay. Thanks, Lindsay. Uh, okay. We have a question about Robert Kiyosaki and said that we quoted him twice. Are we endorsing his methods? Isabel, you want to take that one? I don't think we're endorsing it. I think it allows what we're, what we're suggesting, just like the other books, and somebody had a question in reference to what are the names of the other books. The E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber was one of the books. Um, the E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. The other book, Street Smart Franchising, that's by, um, oh gosh, let me look him up real quick. That's Joe, Joe Matthews. Matthews. Thank you. Um, you know, certainly... Having information, getting different viewpoints from it, it, the, I think the big thing that we want to emphasize is that you have choices. You have choices in how you build your wealth and equity, and how what choices you have in your career, and that's how we, you know, as coaches, you know, we help you look at all those choices and help you figure out. You know, what's going to be the right thing for me? What's the right thing for me in this part of my life? How do I feel about this? And, again, I can't emphasize, it's a very safe environment. You get to explore, how do I get there? And, you know, what are my options? And the reason we recommend all these books is that each book may seem to a person differently, and it just it allows you to see how other people do things, just like when we talk to you about different franchises and talk to the franchisees. Okay. Um, now we have a question that says, I have been looking at franchise opportunities mailed to me via email. Do you recommend this approach? Um, Suzanne, you want to take that one? No. I mean, Joe, no, I don't <laughs> recommend that approach. <laughs> Obviously, I, I, I'm, I'm here to answer the question for you. Um, you know, it's like driving by uh, on the street and, you know, driving by a car that's in a parking lot and saying, I'd like to learn more about that car. Um, the reason why we are busy as coaches is because the approach that we take with our clients, it's really an inside-out approach where we get to understand more about what our clients' goals are, what their transferable skills are, and what they're looking to achieve um, through business ownership. And then we help match them to opportunities that have the potential of meeting their goals. So um, otherwise, it would be looking like uh, looking uh, for a needle in a haystack. There are, um, I don't know, between five and 6,000 different franchises that are out there. And if you're just going to start to kind of go through them one by one that way, um, 
I, it, it will take an awfully long time to go through five or 6,000 different franchises. What we help you do is narrow down the choices out there to the ones that make the most sense for you based on your specific set of criteria. And that criteria is something that we develop with our clients. And again, we don't charge you a fee for our services. So um, really, uh, you know, you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain by working with us to help us to help you find something that would be a good fit. We can save you time, and time means money. So we save you time, aggravation, and um, therefore money by helping you find something that will be a good fit much more quickly than you could find it on your own. Um, I'm sure that you guys probably have other things to add to it. Um, Isabel, Marcy, Lindsay? It's like you took the words right out of my mouth, Suzanne. Yeah, I think you did a great job. <laughs> Um, and we're just about at the top of the hour, so um, I'm going to go with one more question. Um, and Lindsay, if you could answer this one. Um, uh, <laughs> good grief, where was it now? <laughs> is, is there a fee that we pay to you if we end up not finding a franchise appropriate for us? And then we'll wrap it up. Sure. Well, here's the best thing. No, there isn't. There's no cost to work with us. Um, uh, our goal is to help get our clients to a point of clarity. Um, we recognize uh, that not everybody is going to become a business owner. Um, uh, that's business, that's life, um, that, that's, that's how it all works. <laughs> um, our job is help you help you to get to that point of clarity, to coach you uh, to that point so that you have a good understanding um, you know, we obviously hope that you will have had a great experience with us. So if you decide that franchising isn't a fit for you, that, that if you come across somebody who is curious, that you'll be happy to refer them to us. And we really value that a lot. Um, but no, we, we never charge any fee for anything we do. Kind of cool, right? Really, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it's kind of neat. Um, okay, we're, that pretty much wraps it up. I'm, I apologize that we were not able to get to all of the questions, but again, encourage you to get together with your coach. We will send you a recording of this webinar, um, everybody that has registered and that attended this evening, so you will have a chance to go back and listen to that again if there were questions that you wanted to hear again. Um, and we are going to repeat this webinar this Thursday at 11 a.m. Central. And then next month, our webinar is going to be moved up because of Memorial Day. So the dates are going to be May 22nd and 24th. And last but certainly not least is that we would appreciate it if you would take just a minute as you exit the webinar to answer our survey questions. Believe it or not, guys, we really want to make these webinars interesting and informative and educational for you. So if you can take some time to tell us how we can improve and what topics you'd like to hear, we will certainly do our best to um, address those. So thanks to everybody that spent the time with us, and I hope you have a great evening. Yeah. I'm also great just before everybody logs off, I just, I just want to chip in. Um, Start a Business Weekend is an event um, which we'll, we'll send you some information about. But based on the folks that are on the call, um, they might be interested in that. It's going to be May 3rd, 4th, and 5th, and it's a virtual event. So we'll send, send that information over. Thanks, Lindsay. Good. I forgot about that. That's okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, everybody. Thanks again, everybody. Appreciate it. You're great. Great questions. Great audience. Thank you. Good night.